4: Welcome to Literally Asians, a podcast where two gay Asian guys, a.k.a. Asians, What are Gay Asians get real about their feelings and literally Asian stuff.
5: I'm your host, Bao. And I'm your ho- co-host, Chris. And we have another very special guest today we've known for a very long time. Uh, she's been around forever, like probably the 1800s. But uh, first, what we want to do is our be real. We want to get ready. Bao, uh, what's going on in your life right now? Yes,
4: it's time to be real. And I would say that, <clears throat> well, I wouldn't call it, I wouldn't call that I had it had a meltdown, but I had maybe like what I call like an identity quake, so like an earthquake to my identity. And I mean, to bring it back a little bit, We all know that I've just kind of spent a lot of this year in my head. So I had a hard year personally and professionally. So it was in my head a lot with anxiety, had so much anxiety, had to leave work and take a break to really deal with that or heal myself or protect myself and focus a lot on myself. And so the last three months, I feel like I spent a lot of time on myself and it's been really nice kind of protecting my peace. But I talked to my mom this week, who lives in Vietnam, and she was really sad that I didn't call her to wish her a happy Thanksgiving. Um, oh, wow. And she was super sad because she's, you know, she lived in the U.S. all this time with us, and then she moved back to Vietnam six years ago and mm-hmm. always misses me and my sister so much, uh, but a particularly, particularly during American holidays, like particularly Thanksgiving, because we used to spend that all together. And um, to make that even worse, like it's not like I forgot to call her Thanksgiving. I actually haven't talked to her for like three months. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i've just forgot to call her and then um had lunch with my sister and she told me like yeah mom called me before she talked to you and she had a full meltdown she like didn't think you loved her anymore cared a lot about other things rather than her like because my mom's my friend on facebook and so she sees my instagram stories and it's like so her son's not calling her but on instagram stories he's like as like having the a grand calling- old time All different holiday parties, going to San Francisco, drinking with his friends, going to clubs, um, going on hikes, but did not make the time. (laughs) Going to dark rooms, going to bathhouses, but not leaving enough time to call his mom. And so I think I had one of those moments where I'm like, oh, my God, in the words of Taylor Swift, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. It's totally slipped my mind. And I just feel like such a villain. And I feel, like, super selfish. Um, that I was, like, so obsessed with myself and my life and kind of my healing and self-care that I just, like, forgot about everything else. Um, and realizing, like, I've kind of just shut myself off from a lot of certain people that 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 I love and that love me. Um, so I say identity quake in that, like, there's things about my identity I don't believe. Um, like, I'm not a villain. Like, I'm the hero um, or the victim. So realizing this kind of just really just set me off a little bit or like, um, put me off center. But I do always feel this Asian guilt around feeling selfish. Like I've always felt selfish ever since I moved away from LA to SF 10 years ago and kind of left my family in LA, um, to kind of live this life and to follow my career. And they've kind of been, um, really great about it, but I just don't call enough. I, hate, I mean, I hate, first of all, I hate talking on the phone. I know that's yeah. not an excuse, but I hate talking on the phone. generally. My daddy's good at texting. as he lives here, I see him a lot, but my mom's not good at texting. And she texted Vietnamese. I hate calling, and it's not an excuse, but my sister was like, You got to treat it as a chore. Like, put it on your to do list, put it on, uh, put a calendar invite on your calendar, do it. But I just kind of feel really shitty this week. Like, um, I've just spent so much time being like, self obsessed. And now yeah. I think it's time for me to, to kind of rethink just like, well, how do I. Cause they say like, there's self care, but there's also community care, and I, I don't think I've been doing a lot of the community care part of mm. of like of
5: wholeness or happiness. I have two things to say to that: one remark and one suggestion. My mom she cannot figure out texting; she barely knows how to use her phone. But her friend got her to learn how to use um, WeChat, and you can send audio voicemails just so easy, and it works. It, like mm. you, send, you, you, you don't have to be mm-hmm. thinking. Talking to her, but you can send each other like what you're doing, and it's personalized, it's and it's easy because you just hold your finger down and talk like a walkie talkie and let go. So, that Mm. might be something y'all could try. And then, the other thing, when you were talking about this sort of guilt about like forgetting to call her, one of the things I've been learning about myself, I've always had that with everyone, if I, if someone has moved away or I don't see them often, I don't think about them. And I used to feel very guilty. I'm like, am I a bad friend or like how you're thinking a bad son? Like I don't always call my parents, but one of the symptoms of like ADHD is I think it's called object impermanence where if it's not in front of you, you're just, you're not thinking about it. And it's, and it made me feel just like, just even in this past three weeks as I learned about it, like I started to like, kind of let go of a lot of that guilt. And sure, it's still on me um, to work harder on those things. But also, that's just how our brain is. We're not terrible people. We just think a little differently. And I think yeah. it's up to other people to also, like, yeah, you didn't call her. Well, why didn't she call you? If she mm-hmm. is so pained by it, she should have called you. Yeah, it's our parents, I'm, but whatever.
4: <laughs> I know. My mom, my sister, because she called my sister. And my sister was like, well, she was telling my sister, like, you always return my call, blah, blah, blah which I can call you. And then, which is why I can always call, count count on you, which is basically saying like I can count on you and not count on Bao. <laughs> just like, which hurts. But it's true. Like, it's kind of true. Um. And yeah, she should have, she should have called me but she told my sister that she had she was doing this Asian mom things like no I want to wait for him to notice. <laughs> if no one told me I swear to you I would not have noticed. And bless my sister she told me in the way that would like she would like make me not have the fullest meltdown because I got defensive. I was like I hate talking on the phone. I hate this and that like yeah. But she was right. Like you yeah, hadn't talked to my mom in 2 months and she's sitting living alone in Hanoi in her apartment just like feeling shitty about it. And so I don't know. I I got over like the defensiveness of it. Um, and it's funny you say that when people move away, they're kinda of out of your out of sight, out of mind for you. But I like mm-hmm. feel like I talk to you all the time. Probably because we're good at group chats. I feel mm-hmm. like and you living and i that. living in about the group that.
5: chat. I love the group chat. Everyone hates me in the group chat. I am so <laughs> loud. I'm loud in life, loud in chat. But that's where I live, especially during like the pan pizza. Typing away, typing away. I'm um, every one of those memes typing away.
4: Yeah, so I mean, I still feel like I talk to you every day, and also obviously every week because of this podcast. Um, but um, over to you. It's time for you to be real and tell us what's on
5: your heart or your mind, Chris. Ah. Uh. God, it's, it's been, you know, I'm up in San Francisco, so we're in like the thick of the whole Silicon Valley implosion of tech, like laying Mm. everyone off. And I'm in tech. I've been in tech for a long time and friends are getting laid off like this week, last week, last month, I've had Mm -hmm. to help lay people off and, uh, it sucks. And so, I'm, like, getting a little nervous. I feel like I'm on the chopping block soon. And, sure, fuck capitalism. But also, I still got to live within the confines. Of it. I got to put food on the table. I got to, you know... Buy some alcohol. I got to do all of those things. You got to tip your drag queens? mm Mm-hmm. Just like (laughs) last night, tipping, getting those dollars out. I'm like, well, is that a smart thing to do? Is this my avocado toast? But no, they deserve it. I deserve Mm it. And, you know, trying to do all that while attempting to eat the fucking rich. But, you know, I'm just trying to make a rent in San Francisco. You know, last time we talked about how good I was feeling then, I was like, oh, wow, things are starting to get a little ugly soon. So the cortisol in my veins is like slowly growing and then I'm drinking every day. So that's probably not even any more healthy. Mm -hmm. So even though I'm trying to always be more aware about like the situation and combat it, it just, those, those like little anxieties just sneak up on me. And so, yeah, last week great and then all of a sudden was like gotcha fuck you okay. uh, and so that's where I'm at sucks
4: <laughs> it yeah it does suck i mean in our even in our friend group i mean you this is probably exacerbating some of your fears It's like even in our friend group there's a lot of unemployed people right now i mean including me there's like some people who left to go on sabbaticals but trying to get back into the work uh the working world and it's hard because like not especially in our little circle which like a lot of corporate and tech jobs or media jobs the jobs aren't even the jobs aren't there they're cutting the jobs and then mm-hmm. All these different layoffs that you hear in the headlines in the last few months. A lot of our friends are part are, the, are those are part of those numbers that you see of people being laid off. Um, I've talked to so many friends about how to sign up for health insurance when you're um, not, not um, at work anymore. How to keep yourself sane. What kind of routine and and how, how to find find a rhythm in fun employment or unemployment that works for you. And I think we should do like a, a, an episode dedicated to this because I think a lot of people yeah. are going through it
5: it's such a sea change from when we first met. And our biggest like problem was everyone getting lined so that we can buy our EDC tickets in time. <laughs> Look at I us miss- now. I know. I mean, we, we do live in a really, 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 really
4: privileged um, world, a little privileged echo chamber. And I think that we are going to be okay. I think things are going to be cyclical, yeah. but I think at our age, we um, got out of college and, at the time we got out of the college, everybody wanted to work at the tech companies. Then those tech, tech companies did so well for a while. Now they're kind of like they're the old companies now. Like right. we're the old people now, and so yeah. they're, ha- they're having and just to figure out.
5: I still feel very lucky. Uh, I'm not in a, like a terrible place, but it does. It just makes me worried. That's all.
4: Yeah, that that worry is real for sure, and so. Um, I'm sorry you feel that. I mean, I feel that too. I'm like, when I'm, if, if I'm ready to go back to the working world, what jobs are even left?
5: Ugh. Ugh, I hate this all. I hate it so much. New topic. New topic.
4: New, to- new topic. When I think the new topic <laughs> should be um, introducing our very esteemed guest, who is special to both of us in so many ways. I think she personally single handedly introduced me to drag, or like the first drag queen I officially ever met in my life. I was a young Botox-less child of 24 filled with natural collagen. I'd just moved <laughs> to San Francisco. Fresh Gajun meat in San Francisco Castro at Club Dragon in 2008. Um, I met Estée and I remember um, meeting her because I wanted to be more involved in the organization she worked for at the time, which was called API Wellness Center, which is not called that anymore, but because of that, she's just has a special place in my life. And I think she also has a special place in your life, in your drag history too, right? Don't you, Chris?
5: Well, I sometimes like to pretend it's not true, but She's my drag mother. She's uh she adopted me many uh I was about to say year but decades ago. And um uh, she 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 found me like in a ditch and thought, "Oh, look at this poor little thing." She only put on uh, a little bit of lip gloss and a and lashes that she got at Walgreens and took me under her wing so uh she's so I want to super introduce um the the founder uh the matriarch of the rice Rockettes, uh, Este longa yay welcome
3: thank este. you so much for having me two. it's a pleasure to be here wasn't sure when if I was supposed to chime in or not earlier so I was just like oh I'll just I'll just be quiet for a little bit. <laughs> but it has well, been quite a number of years for the both of you. The time just flies, doesn't it? Um, it does. It does. And, and especially now with like all the problems, I think that's going on with the world. It just seems like everything is just going by so fast. Um, to comment on, you know, what you're earlier going through, I, I feel for that. I feel bad. I've, I've been in a place where, where I've been unemployed, for a long time, and it was hard, and I can't imagine having to go through that. In addition to the current economy, this wild inflation that is like crazy, making it hard for everyone to afford living anyway. Um, so it's insane. It's nuts. I feel bad for everyone who's getting laid off right now. Um, it's not easy.
4: And we we appreciate that, este and um, you know we're, we're interested in kind of what's going on with you too. So just like what we did, um, it's. We're gonna ask you to be real too. Oh, what's real. on your heart? What's on your mind
3: today? How are you doing? Oh my God! Well, be real. So so interesting. So different disclosure. <laughs> um, you know, I'm actually fine right now, and that's and I say that with with an emphasis on right now because um I think like many other people um it was hard. The pandemic was hard. And and especially mm-hmm. for me, I'm not someone who's like in touch with with my mental health or anything like that, or admitting any sort of th- that sort of thing. I'm very old school in that way, and um, you know, and so it was it was harder for me, I think, than I originally let on, and I originally wanted to deal with, and I, and I know it definitely got harder. Uh, this year has been also like tough. I think that I've had bouts of depression, and it's mm-hmm. been really hard to. Um, sort of get myself motivated or to get myself to do things um just so like resentful of everything um thankfully like i i just got back from my first trip abroad it was my first trip since the pandemic shut down i was in mexico city so i i was depressed i was resentful i do feel better right now i don't know how long it's going to last but i'm just enjoying it right now you just when gotta you take another be, vacation like, yeah when you can be unmedicated and just like oh <laughs> you're just so full of like happiness when you wake up and i know it's not going to last forever but for right now i yeah it's good i'm i'm okay so that's me no. being real <laughs> <laughs> well, that was so, that was a lot oh, <laughs> i've never done that before <laughs> i've never done that well, we'll, we'll drink to that <laughs> we'll drink
5: to, that. Yeah,
3: I'm gonna, I'm gonna need to drink more <laughs> But thank you for um, having me in my fabulous boudoir I'm just here enjoying a casual Friday evening my dressing <laughs> gown
5: yeah you just, you just woke
3: up like this I did actually you know I'm sorry you you caught me in such a state
4: <laughs> yeah you had just done your bedroom routine, bedtime routine this is your mm-hmm. bed your sleeping jewels and so you're almost ready to go to bed just one you last always thing to have before my bed.
3: sleeping jewels I'm about to put a face mask on actually <laughs> okay so
5: like we know you but we want everyone else to get to know you so maybe you can um uh stroll us down memory lane together like we met over a decade ago but
3: Mm -hmm.
5: how did we meet what what was what what was that like let's make it about me while talking about you
3: oh okay well (laughs) your favorite topic talking about you while i'm (laughs) mentioning me um don't, can I can I call you Doncha? Still can I yeah. refer to you that? Okay, mm-hmm. just that's I wouldn't have Chris's it any other way. name for 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 uh context. But you know, I'm I'm used to referring to as Doncha. It's so I feel so weird Me whenever too. I have to refer to all of my um my girls by their real name, and it's hard because I have you all saved on my phone is your real name. So when <laughs> I have to like send a text to someone, I'm always like, what was it again? Oh yeah, yeah that's right, that's right. Um. <laughs> But you know I think we first met at API Wellness Center when I started working there because I think you were um you were volunteering with Aqua because I remember you you would come in and you would meet with Brian Tan at the time who was one of my coworkers workers running the Aqua program it's a youth program at API Wellness Center and uh I think you were helping out with the graphic design stuff and mm-hmm. that, so that's my first encounters with you you were just some scrawny smart mouth kid um <laughs> I don't think I liked you very much at the beginning, and then you started <laughs> drinking, and we found common ground. So I think that, a was, while. that was that was a turning point. That was the turning point. Yeah. Um, and, but I was and actually also, and then, I was
5: kind of kidding. I wanted to more hear more about you and not just me.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but I am leading into this because okay. um, you know when when I was surprised actually when you first joined um, Runway with all of us because I wasn't expecting that at all, and I and I thought, oh, that's another side. Neither was that i I've never <laughs> seen before i didn't think she had it in in her
4: and, and and runway we've talked a lot about what runway is on this podcast but it's the pageant where actually chris and i met um, mm-hmm. Este has also competed in this pageant it's that Many pageant times. by by gap the gay asian pacific
3: uh, what's the last a alliance alliance, that still, yeah. alliance. i think we is were still, all in it in the same year at one point yes yeah the first time we were all in well oh yes you were we, You were with us too, Bao, When we did it that one year, that was yeah. a big one—the big, big show. I think we all did it.
4: Yeah, yeah. It was did it was a really fun year.
3: No, but yeah, it's it's a, it's a ma- that that pageant is just the only one of its kind in the country. Still, mm. I think of that level, really? uh, it's amazing that they still put it together. Um, it's a lot of work, I know, but um, great experience.
4: Is there no other like queer Asian pageant like that?
3: I, I hesitate to say. Yeah, only okay. one of its kind but it's definitely of that caliber like it's that, very unique that mm-hmm. big with the audience level the 900 plus people that could you know in that theater no one else is doing that like I've I've checked in in New York and LA and no one's quite maybe if they have anything it's the really small stuff but I even then I I really don't think anyone else is doing that so it's very unique wow. it's very It's something special about San Francisco that I think Mm -hmm. enables that to still happen. And as well as the founding of the Rice Rockettes in my own drag career, I think, um, just something unique about the Bay Area that it just wasn't able to be replicated in another city. And
5: then, like, well, talk a little bit more about the Rice Rockettes.
3: Sure. Well, um, so to... To all you viewers out there, um, I am one of the founders of the Rice Rockettes. We are the premier, as as I like to say, we're the premier all-Asian drag troupe in San Francisco and the Bay the Area. Only. The only. The well, only. There's, there's, <laughs> there's some now. I think we, we always get, like, other, other things. So I feel like we can't say only for very much longer because, you know, drag race, all these, like, queens are just coming out of the woodworks now. I wouldn't be surprised if there's another one and there's already Filipinks in the bay area mm-hmm. they're all filipino but they they exist doing something kind of similar a little bit um oh so that that's the name of the drag troop, filipinks filipinks yes filipinks another mm-hmm. one they they're very recent wow. they just started um they also do kind of group numbers too the only difference is that like we're all Filipino. uh they're all filipino we're like pan asian mm-hmm. um i think they kind of emphasize um more like ethnic dance kind of equ- into their numbers. And so mm. it's, it's different. Um, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how they go about that. But back to the Rice Rockettes. Um, yeah, we founded in 2009, celebrated our 10-year anniversary in 2019, right before the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. It was so fun.
4: That was such I mean, a good was,
3: 10-year anniversary show. It was a lot. Of, you know what? I thought... After that, we were going to completely combust in like <laughs> and end the group because we we were so stressed out. We were so we were trying to do too much with that. You know, everyone learning like how many routines in a
5: month—that's the most we've ever done. Like four group numbers is insane.
3: We literally we were at each other's throats by the end <laughs> by the end of that of that uh, whole thing. <laughs> yeah, um, almost tore the family apart. So it all, pretty much it really did um but that's you know when you know that you have a strong family unit because you mm-hmm. survive and you get through it all and at the end of the day the show must go on um, so, and so uh-huh. i'm proud of us
4: well that that show just meant so much to me like in the end i kind of teared up a little bit obviously i'm a person who just super wear my emotions on my sleeve first of all it was packed and sold out I think there were people showing up with their kids, like children, they had got turned away.
3: Yeah, cuz that's that 08, that's at a waste is you have to be 21. Uh, yeah.
4: Yeah, mm. they, they didn't know that. And <laughs> for for me at that time I was I think I was about to leave move away from San Francisco and so it was such a moment for me to realize just how much you guys uh, the Rice or has had been a part of my like formative years, like my twenties through my thirties, um, and loving and embracing local drag, like from the beginning, since I moved there to now. Um, uh, but, but why don't we go back a little bit into like the beginning? Like what, oh. uh, what was the impetus for like, Hey, I want to, I want to start a drag. Troupe. I'm going to name it the rice for cats. Like what, what was going on at
3: the time um, that you wanted to found this drag house? Oh my God. Well, um, you can't start I can't start any story about the founding of the Rice Rockets or my own personal drag experience without talking about N Touch because N Touch started it all. That was the catalyst mm. for those What's of you N-Touch? who don't know. N Touch was the only gay Asian bar in San Francisco mm. um especially during that time. It started it? in the 70s. It was a small bar on Polk Street. It's a straight bar now. Um and mm. it, it, it I think it closed in um 20... 2009? Like, around that time where we had Shangri-La and Dragon, and then we suddenly we had too many gay Asian bars, and, and <laughs> it was there wasn't it wasn't enough Asians to go uh, around. Mm-hmm. Um, But Touch was the first and only gay bar. Um, It did have kind of a little bit of reputation that all gay Asian bars do, where it's like the web also, I think, had that same reputation in New York City, where, you know, it's like, oh, it's just like... Asian mm-hmm. guys who are, like, looking for, you know, white men to date no. yeah. Oh, really? You know? okay. and there were a lot of that. There was definitely a lot of that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it was the only thing, only place that our community could go and feel that they were accepted, that they were loved, that they were beautiful, and that they're safe. Because, obviously, they weren't getting that in the Castro, especially during that time. Mm-hmm. So, during this time, when I moved to the city um, in 99, I... Um, you know, and touch was a neighborhood bar and Tita Ida, my drag mother, she is a long time community icon, activist, Tita Ida. She's been doing in the community since the nineties. I, I totally recommend you. If you guys want stories, like you should have her next time <laughs> yeah. do this. If you can, her schedule is so busy, but she, she's got some stories to tell and a lot more history. Um, but I'm very grateful to her because she had a show at in touch it was a weekly show called club tees that she's been doing it since the 90s and um in its heyday when it was like at its peak it was so packed just to get into on a thursday night weekly show like sometimes there'd be lines wrapped around the corner she's had like chichi La, chichi larue is that chichi larue mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that other so she's had like a lot of people there doing all these like guest segments um And by the time, by the time I kind of started going, it was a little bit like, you know, not as popular as it once was. So, Mm -hmm. but since it's a weekly show, it was, you know, the audience was dependent every night, every week was different. Um, But I remember going there for the very first time and um, I just saw her and I, I was just, I was floored. I was amazed like she wasn't even it wasn't even so much that she was the most glamorous or the most beautiful um mm-hmm. uh, performer there was but she was so incredibly funny she was so personable <laughs> yeah, she so funny she had this stage presence i mean i still reuse half of her jokes all the time <laughs> just mm-hmm. to keep you know just to keep it in the family but um she was just so amazing and i i was floored because it was the first time that i really saw like an asian drag queen and and mm. that's when it clicked in my head like oh my god this is possible for someone like me i that i can actually do this and so i had to hound her down i was like tita ida i was like lucy ricardo i was like tita ida can't you put me in the show when can you put me in the show and she's always like no este you cannot be in the show um <laughs> You know, and I always have to figure out ways like how can I sneak into the bat? You'll just like see me like come out <laughs> while the performers on the stage. <laughs> <And
2: I'm> just,
4: <laughs> like um, you, you,
3: you had you had that like bite to
4: perform. Like you had to do it.
3: I just had to do it. I've always wanted to be a performer, and once I saw that it was possible for me, I just had to do it. Um, and so she had, she had a a kind of an amateur drag contest because at the time. It was also not easy to find performers. I remember because I, I did work with her several times, and she she mm-hmm. helped she allowed me to assist in the show as well, running things in the background and helping out. And you know, sometimes it was hard because it would be the same performers every week mm-hmm. because of you know there was just wasn't a lot. And mm-hmm. um, so just to kind of garner sort of like more talent, she would have like kind of an amateur drag contest called. Uh, Drag for cash. It it, slipped me from it. It was called drag for cash. And um, so I entered it one year. I didn't win that year, but um, it put put me on the map and I started to beg her like, please put me on the show, put me on the show. (laughs) Um, And then she had another one and then I won. So then she had, she kind of was forced to do it. Um, And so that's how I started performing um, professionally um, as a drag queen. Amateur night. (laughs) Yeah. At at Club T. So that was Mm -hmm. 2005. And um, fast forward, I joined Gappa Runway with Doncha and a few of these other Rice Rocket former founders, like Joshua was there too, mm-hmm. and then uh, Bukake, um, who won that year. And um, I just remember, like, backstage at Runway, it was so fun. Like, the camaraderie was amazing. And I've I've been in pageants that were like mainstream drag pageants where you know these are like the high stake ones the ones that like where like you know the the, the big queens do that and big um, cash prizes uh-huh Big cash prizes big renown big titles that sort of thing and the vibe it, backstage is so different like so
4: fun yeah
3: it's yeah well it for Gappo was so fun so personable <laughs> everyone was friendly it didn't feel like a competition until maybe it was the, the top three and it was like <laughs> me Bukake, and then the other, that other girl who mm-hmm. I forget her name already. She she doesn't even, I, I don't even think she's in the country anymore, but um, <laughs> that's the only time it felt like a, a competition other than, but when I've done these other shows, um, it definitely feels like a fucking competition. Like nobody talks to each other. Everyone's intense. Everyone is like just focused on their own thing. And then like, you kind of get the when there are interactions, you're like not sure. Like, was that a compliment? Was that a backhanded compliment? <laughs> like, you know. So, um, so anyways, I I took that. I remember that heart. and then I um I participated in this um competition called um. Desperate Divas pageant. Amazing. So all the all the big queens in the city at the time all wanted to do it. Like Tita Ida did it last year, BB Sweet Briar won that year. Heckelina was in it, Sister Roma, Mercedes Monroe, Suppository Spelling, Ginger, all, <laughs> all the big San Francisco Queens at <laughs> this the time. The best were names all in best names, yeah. Yeah. And so um one of the one of the things you have to do for this pageant is you have to do a fundraiser event for AIDS Housing Alliance and so I decided to put together an event called Acts of Desperate Asians because it was a Desperate Divas pageant um, and I was like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna get all these people so I got like Doncha and then we had Bukkake because she had just won and then we had Beyonce um, and I think we got like Maria <laughs> Joscomputa we had um <laughs> That's a good Epi, name. Epi, Epi, what's, no she was epilepsy at the time with Avi on a flu Joshua. Yeah, so all yeah, the, all, the, all the really early rice Rockettes <laughs> and some even other people i got these people all together what floored me about that whole thing was that it was i i didn't i had no expectations i had very low expectations actually i thought okay maybe we're going to have 25 people maybe um and the community just Blue, they just, they all showed up, man. That was like a 200 plus people at this thing. I don't know if you remember Doncha because you were sweeping, you were sweeping between every <laughs> act. So I'm not sure if you were, we didn't have Don, we didn't have Doncha perform back then. She just, she just- I wasn't allowed. Yeah, she just had her big groom, just clean. She, she was a silent, she was a mute drag queen. But um, I was floored with how much- the community responded, and I really didn't expect them to respond that way. And that made me think, okay, this is valid. This is important. This is needed. Um, we don't have that. And um, and I thought, this is a wonderful thing to bring back, Um previous years, years before at API Wellness Center, Tita Ida had a group called the Rice Girls. They're no longer in existence. So that sort of formed the basis for like, oh, well, maybe we should have the Rice Girls come back. So I I got all these people together. We had a meeting. I I proposed. I was like, hey, what do you think about this? We should have this group or whatever. Um, And that's when we kind of brainstormed. I don't even know who came up with it anymore. But at the end of this meeting, we we came up with the name Rice Rockets, which was a play on the you know the the rice rocket which is those those so good uh, one of the best names one of the best true names i've ever heard
5: you know the funny thing was i didn't know that for years i was in this group (laughs) and i thought the name was a play on the radio city uh (laughs) (laughs) and we just asianified it which it is but girl how to how was i in this group and didn't even catch the rice
2: rocket
3: (laughs) You know, I'm sure America's Got Talent was very disappointed as well because they were probably <laughs> expecting a Rock, a Radio City Rockettes level type performance. And then they just got that shit that we put up instead. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the rest is history. We, we performed, we had our first performance at Shangri-La in July, June of 2009. And yeah, we've been together ever since. Um,
5: so in earlier I was going to, ask you to describe me as a drag daughter but I think what would be more interesting is uh, yes. you, know, you put together this group how would you describe yourself as a drag mother hmm. yeah that's the face I, I, I know
3: as my mother yes. both <laughs> drag mother and biological mother <laughs> disappointment <laughs> You know, um, it's not easy being a drag mother. <laughs> I, I definitely have... um My own mother was very hard on me. I had high expectations, very, very high expectations about how one should look, how one should act, which is kind of ironic in many ways because she also wasn't like... The type of mother, like some, sometimes when, when you get a drag mother, for those of you who don't know, um, usually the rule of thumb is that like this, this person is the one who like maybe names you, maybe, um, teaches you how to do makeup, shows you the ropes, um, and, like, you know, maybe shows you how to like sew things or style wigs or, you know, practical drag applications. And, you know, Titaida wasn't that kind of drag mother for me. She had very high expectations, but she wasn't, she wasn't, um, sitting me down and saying, hey, this is how you do your makeup, Este. Um, luckily, like, I was already interested in makeup. So it wasn't like, Mm-hmm. you know i didn't suffer because i didn't have that education but the one thing that i got from tita which was um what is the word that i'm trying to go for it it's guilt this is not the right no yes <laughs> guilt. It's, this is a this was a priceless education this was the most important education that i think i'm i'm more grateful to her about this and her education was about how to community build how to community mobilize, how mm-hmm. to do all of these things. These are very practical, very useful. Uh, and I think it, it's helped me a lot more um, sort of in my drag career and in my like community mobilizing and community building um, work was just how to do all of those things. And of course it was very helpful because she already had a name established that she, I could use the name. I could perform anywhere. She, re, she really had the reputation. She showed me the rope, showed me around, and paraded me off. Um, going back to your question, um, I think that as a drag mother, I, I tend to still do have high expectations. I try to like tone it down because <laughs> I know that it could be a little bit a lot, um, and I, I try to make sure that I give girls the freedom to, you know fulfill their art the way that they want it that's true to themselves um
5: we are still all in asian family with all yes, of we the, are still all in asian family the epigenetic part. traumas <laughs> that, that travel with us
4: generational traumas <laughs> passed on from generations we passed
3: it on all the abuse and the yeah all of it <laughs>
4: the, yeah the abuse the um insecurities but i, I do want to like uh to your point about Ditaida teaching you about community building, that was the, the 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 biggest thing I got from my relationship with you all, right? Of like the mm-hmm. rice or Cause at some point you had or you were you were gonna perform at something, like some event, we all would go and then we would it would be a community mm-hmm. thing. Like our friends would be there. People have met their husbands or their mm-hmm, <laughs> I yeah. have met many exes at your events. <laughs> <laughs> and um like through the years, even thinking like um, you you know for a while you all had a residency at the Lookout in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. For how many
5: years was that?
3: It we almost hit ten it was about years. Five, we almost made it to five years. Wait, five? Yes. Uh-huh. No, we almost hit ten years was it 10 years? I'm so bad with numbers. Maybe it was 10. We started it in t- Oh, yes, we almost made 10 years. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. We started it in 2013. So we were like 9 in so, like we were we were almost there. We were we were very close.
4: That show was always there. The community was there and how you remember it? Like that's why like that 10th year anniversary one was so like important to me cuz like that show was there when for example there was that huge earthquake in Japan and then the mm-hmm. And you guys did a fundraiser for that. And it was also raining yes. like crazy that night, which <laughs> to yes. make everybody feel that. And, and I just remember that. Another was after the club, uh, it was it Club Fuse in Orlando? Um, yes,
3: we did. We did several of those. Yes, we did. We did fundraiser for them, too. We did a lot of fundraisers. And tragedies was so good for us. <laughs> tragedies, Which is yeah, such a bad it, thing there, to say. There,
4: no, there was, there was something like our community was going through and there was a place for us to do something, to celebrate, mm-hmm. to mourn, to process through the feelings. Um, and one thing I will never forget is um, I went to your show the night Beyonce dropped her album Super- Beyonce. <laughs> and I remember that just being a moment because I was trying to pay attention to the show, but I had one of those old iPhones. I was trying to delete photos off my phone so I could download them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm listen to it so you that show has really that show that community has really been through like the biggest <laughs> the
3: biggest moments in my life through those 10 years <laughs> you know i am i'm proud of the fact that i could say that it, it and it, it really is true that if there wasn't a rice Rockets in san francisco i think the gay asian community would look very very different mm-hmm. um the friends group just wouldn't be there the the community level just wouldn't be there. I think that, um, I I think it's very safe to say we we were the catalyst for many of these things happening. Um, and so I'm proud of that accomplishment. I think it's wonderful because that's the whole point, right? Bringing community together. We can't just all be on grinder all the time.
5: Yeah. When you first approached me about doing the race rockets, I was very hesitant because I didn't mm-hmm. feel like. A drag queen in that sense. But I was like really deep in activism at that time. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, uh, as long as I can use this as a method to like, talk about um, HIV, health awareness, stigma, and it was a little hard because it's also entertainment. So mm-hmm. uh, but I, I what I enjoyed is that you were kind of on that same track. What we did were Fundraisers for mm-hmm. for for places. Some some days we, we were a little bit more frivolous because we had to. We couldn't spend all of our like mental health energy on
3: saving the world, but it of was course. nice that we were sometimes saving the world. Yeah, and even when we were, at the end of the day, it's important for me that it's no matter what you do, that it's entertaining. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. we love we love to get little heady sometimes in some of our things. So that's that's my.
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
0: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. For full, important safety information, visit juviderm.com. All
4: right, we're going to return to the topic of the Rice orquettes, um, because there's so much to talk about, so we're going to put a pin on that. But before we um, do that, I want to ask you a question um, sure. that we ask all our guests. So we've known you for a while as this leader in the SF community, also leader in the SF drag community, but I want to go back more to the beginning with a question again that we ask everyone what's that moment that made you first feel like you were a gaysian and why
3: a a, a what a what a what
4: occasion
3: how how dare you i'm a lady i only do lady things is this is this the lady questions I, i i need to have the lady questions here um Oh my God, you guys are going to make me go out of character for this question. You with your hard hitting questions. All right. (laughs) So what was it like as a, as a dude? Okay. As a dude, as a Gaijin. Um, you know, I, I think that this is a very kind of a loaded question, I think, especially for someone like me. And, and I think that people who are, mixed race, who are Hopper, who are Eurasian, who are mestizo, sort of like kind of come from that same thing. Because I think that, you know, we're born we don't I don't know if for me personally, and I think maybe some other people could relate too, is that I don't feel like I'm born Gayan, And um mm-hmm. and and same. you often get so much hang-ups about not belonging and not and not sort of like being completely in a community, especially in this country. I think this is not something that growing up in my own country back in Guam, I don't, I don't feel that this was like a thing, but mm-hmm. you know, identity politics is such a big thing in America. Right. And so, um, you know, I, I think as someone like Mestizo, like me, um, it, it's hard for me to go with the moniker Gajian. Even now I can't mm-hmm. even like use it really to describe myself. Cause I feel weird. I feel like I have to earn it. And I think, That kind of led me a little bit to do all of this fucking community work and all this stuff was because part of it was just trying to be accepted, wanting to be accepted, wanting to prove how, you know, you're Mm. the super Asian, you're like doing all the, doing all the Asian stuff, all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So it's, um, so in that sense, it's always like that. And and I'm always unsure, like, even when like on dating profiles or things, like I, I still can't even use that term like Asian because like normally then I'll get like messages from all like fucking bullshit people that are like, how dare you (laughs) use that? You're not fucking Asian. You're you're fucking Latino. People send you that? No, people send you that. Oh shit. Um, So, you know, so with trepidation is when I, if I ever use that moniker, Um, but you know, probably to go back to your question on, on when, when did I ever really feel that way? And I, I think it was, You know, being the the super Asian, being the super Gaijin, doing all the community work when I was at API Wellness Center, when I was on board Mm -hmm. at GAPA, when I was doing the Rice Rockets, and this was all happening all at the same time. That's probably, and I was out there and about doing all the events and you saw me everywhere. I think that was probably the most Gaijin I've ever felt um,
5: it, it sounds like it's like through your actions and being deep in it is when you most felt it. But did you feel so. it really like internally? Yeah, I, didn't, than just I like, didn't
3: wake up and say, oh, I feel like this way. <laughs> um, it must be nice. <laughs> One day be, there's a label, you wake up, I'm Gajian now. <laughs> yeah, instead I just wake up like this. I
5: just up like this. <laughs> <laughs> um,
4: it is so interesting to hear you say that just because, again, I came to San Francisco 24 20, 2008 and i and you i think you were the leader of yeah i feel the like Gays. you're a I like you were like I the leader. yeah a fixture of the Gaian community and and maybe it's not like just the identity it's sort of like the community that you and um a lot of the people you worked with built and so
3: it is surprising for me to hear that personally what you were struggling with even now sometimes when i used to run um when i won, i think i was it was the desperate divas pageant when i won that year and somebody was like i, I still was an unknown kind of in in sort of mm-hmm. the drag scene sometimes i feel like i'm i'm the most famous un- drag queen you've never heard of in san francisco <laughs> <laughs> really. they don't know they don't know who the hell i am um but i remember when i won and the backhanded comment was or just like you know kind of overheard comment someone was like well who won who won the pageant this year and someone was like i don't know some latina queen (laughs) 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 Um,
4: and then okay so we we touched on this a little bit earlier so like for 10 years the rice had a residency at the lookout bar in the castro in san francisco
1: yes um
4: it was named the best drag show in sf by help me here by somebody, uh,
3: best of the bay, it was best called best of the best bay, of yeah. the bay. <laughs> by just some random for, person they just, <laughs> for,
4: for many many years. Um, and though the show ended earlier yes, this year, and yeah, the show ended earlier this year. Our
3: last show was in June, last show was in
4: June. I did fly up for it, it was amazing. Um, but the, even though the show ended, it was no stranger to scandal, mm-hmm. a lot of different scandals, but my favorite um, was with one show where the theme was Shen Yun strikes back. Um, it drew a little controversy. Can you tell us about the Shen Yun scandal with the right? Sure.
3: So, so there's a two part to this because it, this, this, um, happened in unique situations. Cause we actually had two Shen Yun nights the previous Mm -hmm. year or like in 2018 or 2019, something like that. Um, we had a Shenyun versus K pop night in January, which is like typically our slow nights. And it was it's a small show, but it was a lot of fun because people were able to blend. We're trying to blend like K pop and Shenyun, one or the other or both, or whatever that means to them. Right. And because we were like that was a live show. This is before the pandemic. I think we were really off the radar. So we were mm-hmm. able to get away with it unscathed and um n- nothing came about no drama at all it was it was it went off without a hitch <clears throat> and it was one then, of our
5: most popular shows that year
3: yes it was very fun everybody loved it so when we because we always get together at the beginning of the year at our retreat when we were having our show to go and discuss like the year how, how what kind of the themes that we wanted for the whole year and so that's when we like discuss and we vote and do all that stuff so because people loved everybody loved that Shen Yun thing it made its way back onto our lineup Um, so we, we, we decided sometime in 2020, we were going to do that now, unfortunately, because our retreat happened before the pandemic. So suddenly we had our, we had our, our whole year planned out and then suddenly, boom, everything shut down and we were like, oh my God, what are we going to do with all of these like themes that we wanted to do? Um, so we started, we eventually started to do online shows and i I think we we pulled out a couple we we did them quarterly we didn't even do them on a regular basis but one -hmm. of them was the shenyun strikes backs because we went back to our list and we were like what can we salvage what 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 do people want to do and so that that made it that was that was like we decided on the shenyun strikes back i don't know if it was because it was an online thing or because it was on eventbrite or whatever mm. whatever the reason maybe maybe buca's wow. marketing was way more better but suddenly we were on the radar we we fa- they found us they they found us and that's when they sent us a cease and desist the shenyun people the shenyun people they they lawyered up the they they sent us they sent us a very official <laughs> email <laughs> a cease and desist Um, right a cease and desist you know you know you've arrived as a drag queen when you know entities are like trying to get you to shut it down Um, (laughs) meanwhile how many disney princess fucking shows have we had and disney has never come after our ass it's a wonder it's a wonder um and the best thing was none of us were phased by it I you mean, guys were just, living. It, it, was am- it, was it was amazing. It was the hilarious. best thing that could happen. That's, that's what a drag queen wants, a cease and desist. Um, that's when you know you're doing it right. <laughs> you know? And I remember it
4: became this viral sensation as the comedian I followed.
3: Oh, um, yes. She picked um, it, it up, Gen too, and a. she talked about it.
4: And then she's like, first of all, there's a drag troupe called The Rice Rockettes. That's hilarious. And then second, <laughs> they got a cease and desist from Shen Yun. This is the most amazing thing.
3: <laughs> Wait, so instead of Shen Yun, what did you name it? It was just it was just asterisked out, and then we couldn't refer. We didn't want to refer to it, so we were just like crunch Strikes Back." Like, we just I just edited it myself because you know I didn't know how serious they were, but we don't got fucking money, so I'm not gonna try to <laughs> try to take them on if they're gonna try to sue us for whatever. How was the turnout for that show? Um, it was an online show, but it was it was well received. Yeah, all, of all, all of our online shows were very good. I mean, we only did them quarterly, but I think that they were wonderful. And and in some ways, it was nice because like people who were not in the city could actually like attend. I mean, twenty twenty that that pandemic year was just a. It's a lot of things going on that year.
5: (laughs) Yeah. And that like took it out of us. And we got, we, we came back to the lookout, but then, you know, there was a, um, we did a, a retreat and I just happened to not be at that one. And I get a call at the end of the day and my drag daughter goes, um, we're canceling the show. The, the, <laughs> we've been doing this for ten, almost ten years. Every month of my life, I had been at every show, but like there was a silver lining, which was which which made me a little happy was that you decided to continue another show, um, Este's
3: casting couch. What, what what's that been like? I was unsure how I wanted to go about this show though because it would have been the first like solo venture for myself in like a long time. Cause you know, when you, when you have the full backing of a full house, it's just ours, the Rice Rockettes with so many people, you, um, you get sort of comfortable because you always have that safety net, right? Mm-hmm. And that community that's attached to it. And I was like, oh my God, uh, am I, am I able, am I going to be ready to do this? Can I do this? Are the, is the community mm-hmm. going to come out and support? Um, so I was nervous. Um, but at the same time, I think it was important for me to sort of hold that space, should mm-hmm. should the girls decide five years down the road or whatever that they want to they want to come back to the lookout or whatever, you know, I, I do kind of see the casting couch as a placeholder as well. That you know, if if they said, oh, Estee, we want to we want to have our show again, I'll be like, okay, well, sure, we have this this space second Thursday of the month. Um, but it was it was a little scary, um, to sort of do that. For myself, um, but on one hand, I also saw okay. Well, this is an opportunity for me to kind of branch out a little bit on my own. You know, I'm not like my my I'm not a household name in this city, and I don't pretend to be one. Um, and and so it was. It's going to be like it's jarring for me to see to walk around the Castro and see like my fucking face on these like telephone poles because that's the flyer is just just me myself. Um, very, very jarring, very different, not used to it. Um, but it's it's been an experience. Um, this current show that I'm doing, Cast and Couch, has sort of morphed in a way that I'm allowing, I'm giving a platform to a lot of new girls, mm-hmm. like people I've never heard of before are coming out to perform and they're really excited. Like the feedback that I get from them all the time is that that it's the best show that they've ever done. They love it so much. It's just so easygoing. And that's because I want to keep that atmosphere that it's fun. It's easy. Like there's no, it's welcoming, you know, and that's the most important thing for me all the time is just providing people a platform. So um, there's
4: no there's no like younger version of Este begging, every, sneaking into the dressing room,
3: begging. No, because host. I give I give these people <laughs> yeah. a chance when they when they're begging me. I say okay, yes, I book them. I book them. <laughs> I book them. You book them, and so
4: this, you know, is, this is this is at the lookout too. The lookout every this is at the lookout school, Thursday, yes. And you had the show last night.
3: And Actually. I did have a show last night. This is day two drag fellas. So it's, um, it's something. Thank God. Like it's so forgiving. This camera, these online is so forgiving. <laughs> <laughs> For our last question.
5: Uh, we want to, like, you know, ask all of our uh, guests something like very special. Because, uh, th- you know, we've been talking all, all this time about drag and about you. Let's just have a little more fun. Okay. And you get to recast the queer classic, The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, uh, mm. but as a 2022 remake. And what would you change? Who would you cast? What, what, what do you think? What would you do?
4: And, hmm. and if you haven't seen the movie for you listeners out there, first of all, you, must. It's, yes, you iconic, must. it's an iconic film. It was actually a surprise hit in the 90s. Like no one expected that it would be this global hit. Um, and it's a movie where um, a couple of drag queens and a trans woman road trip all across Australia and they meet a cast of hilarious characters. And obviously, there's some very memorable numbers in it.
3: Yes. Very much so. That is that is definitely a queer classic. Cannot stress enough that into Wang Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmoss. Yes, Those so two me. films, which and coincidentally they, uh, you know, I didn't even know this, and I, I thought one copied the other, but apparently they they were released around the same time, and it was just complete coincidental that like the oh. storyline was. Because they were both road trip stories, but mm-hmm. one was Australian and one was just road tripping across the, the United States. Um, in terms of your question, it's hard to say because I think that even, even with a modern lens, in many ways, Priscilla is still, um, what's the word that I'm trying to go for? It's still, cu- it's still cutting edge. It's still groundbreaking. I don't know who I would cast in any of that. I'm I'm so bad at like who. Would could, it be you? Would you would star in it? <laughs> it would not be me. I I would be the one with the tennis balls. I would be the one with the ping pong balls. <laughs> but actually, that's probably the one thing that I would change of that whole movie. Like everything was perfect. They probably can get rid of that scene because it didn't add. It doesn't add anything what, to it. What was
5: that? I don't the, remember. It was the,
3: It was where they go to a small town and then they meet. This character who becomes a love interest for the trans woman, and he Mm. he's married to this Asian woman who she's supposedly from Thailand, and they met in Bangkok. But like her character is just speaking in Tagalog, so so it's it's like a (laughs) whole. It's just it's a it's just a completely racist like sort of like stereotype of like the sex worker who married a white man to be to be able to like move to a Mm. richer country, and then you know she's so. She was so, uh, what's the word? Like, she's so like, like horny all the time or she's so ready that she has, she just has to. She can't live without doing this number where she shoots ping pong balls out of her vagina.
2: And you know, and the,
3: and the husband had to like lock her up and he had to lock, he had to lock the, the ping pong balls in a cupboard because she, she couldn't, she couldn't help herself. She just had to. And then she eventually like, they saw a scene where she breaks open the cupboard to get the ping pong balls. And then in the middle of their drag, show that was not well they, he thought he was like taught. he was trying to get them to perform at their local like watering hole bar and he, they all come out in their their crazy costumes and he was the only one excited and everyone was like what the fuck is this shit and all of a sudden the Asian woman she breaks free and she got her ping pong balls in her hand and then she starts doing her number where she's shooting the ping pong balls and everyone's just like cheering and the drag queens are like oh what is this oh my word and then they're like <sighs> sort of like taken off the stage um so that wait, do you remember that Chris? Sure I'm remembering. This. I'm remembering
5: the Thai <laughs> woman now. It, you, when you say did, that, did we, did we it suppress just sounds- that memory? So yes, bizarre sure. that that was such a huge scene, and it is so
3: racist.
1: It oh my is, god, it yeah. was
3: really it was so unnecessary. So like it was kind of like did was this. This did not add to the story at all. <laughs> it really didn't. It didn't need I to think, be but there. It, oh my god, we were on memory. Desc- <laughs> <laughs> but it did yeah. describe a very
5: common thing about Australian men and the sex tourism industry because yeah. it's so much closer. So there was. It's very common for a lot of Australian men to have a to go to, to Thailand and meet their wives.
3: Sure, if we want to go deep about it at all. Yes. <laughs> we could analyze it and like for and against, but but that's probably he, the only thing. He locked her up. That's, <laughs> she wasn't a crazy. crazy. Person with any because agency. of her because of her urges. She couldn't help herself. Oh she just had God. to shoot ping pong balls out of her vagina. <laughs> okay. That is a great take on a remake of Just just remove that scene. They they don't need to have that. They can can take that one out. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't believe that was a thing. Uh,
5: that, That sounds so awful. You know what? And because it's you, we're gonna end
3: on that note on awfulness. Perfect. a video of me shooting ping-pong's out of my vagina. <laughs> my vagina. <laughs> I'm so
5: happy that you joined us for this little interview from your uh, haunted boudoir. Yes. Um, I, I, it's, it's like it's weird because like I haven't seen you in so long, and I've seen you like so much this last few days. It's like kind of it's a treat. Like a very bitter treat.
3: Yes. Uh,
5: yeah. Goes well, down
4: well, very
3: hard.
5: Yes.
4: <laughs> but where can um, where can our listeners follow you on
3: social media? Oh God. Well, um, as always, I tell everyone follow the Rice Rockets on Instagram. They have it there. You mm-hmm. can. You can follow me on Instagram. I have my own Estelanga on Instagram. I can't promise for either of the accounts. I can't promise quality content or even (laughs) content in general. But once in a while, I'll post something. Especially if I have something, I'll post it. Um, And that's probably the best place to stay tuned on whatever is up with the Rice Arquettes or myself.
4: And you can follow this podcast at Literally literallygaijans on Instagram. And you can follow me, Bao. At Bow Bow Bowser with a Z
5: Ooh. on Insta. Um, where can they follow you, Chris? Uh, you can find me at meetme on IG. So I post a lot of things. It's terrible. <laughs> and
4: we'd love for you listeners to send in some questions. Um, if you need advice on something like how to deal with your fuck buddies, how to better date on apps, how to date interracially. Ooh, that's a, no. that's, a, that's a that's a that's a that's a that's a that's a spicy one. Um you can see that's a d- whole segment uh, right there. It is. You can DM us. DM us at literally gajians
5: on Instagram. Yeah, and hopefully we can get you back, Este. Maybe it'll be an Ask Este kind of moment for for that. But that.
3: But until next time, bye everyone. Thank bye. you so much for having Later. me. Goodbye, everyone. Good night.